We turn again to that portion of the word that we read together in First Peter chapter 1. We read from the beginning of the chapter. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit and to obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit and to obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Our confession of faith in the 10th chapter speaks of the irresistible grace of God. And it shows us there and explains to us, of course, based on Scripture itself, that his call to his own is always efficacious. It is always effectual. It is always successful. Now, many may be, indeed, many are called through the preaching of the word and yet who never come to faith in Christ. They are called even here today as you sit under the word of God and as you have done, most of you, many of you, for many, many years. And sadly, some who never come to faith in the Savior. Now that call is often called the outward or the general call of the gospel. In other words, every time the gospel is preached or other means, of course, as well, there is that general call that goes out. But there is also another call, which we know as the effectual call of the gospel. You remember how, and I'm sure the young ones as well, the Catechism 31, what is the effectual, what is effectual calling? Effectual calling is the work of God's Spirit, whereby convincing us of our sin and misery, Enlighten your minds in the knowledge of Christ and renewing your wills. He doth persuade and enable us to embrace Jesus Christ as is freely offered to us in the gospel. That is the effectual calling, the work of God's Spirit, convincing us of our need and our sin and misery. And that call, it is of God's free and special grace and is irresistible and inescapable. So there are different calls. There's a general call, and there is the effectual call. The effectual call, then, is the one that is seemingly responded to through the word in the hand of the Spirit, usually in that way. So those who are saved, then, any here today and anywhere else who are saved, are saved are those who have had their minds enlightened spiritually, 
those who had their wills renewed and so drawn to Jesus Christ as the Savior in a way that they were never drawn before. There is that change, that transformation, if you like, in hearing and responding to the Holy Word. Now, it's like us this morning to consider how this particularly comes about. According to our text, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, sanctification of the Spirit, and to obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. First of all, then, and briefly, the first point is, who is at work in the salvation of sinners? Who is at work in the salvation of sinners? Well, we know, of course, that it is uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one through whom all are saved. Any of us here today, that is how we are saved through him. But the work of redemption is more than just the work of Christ. The work of redemption includes the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the triune God. We have that, are we not, here in our text. You see, man, as we know by nature, is dead in his sin. And the man would remain dead in sin, except he was given life. And the life he has given has to be from and through God himself. Now, how are such termed? Well, we have them here in our text. They are the elect. The elect. Now, who are such? The elect. And how are they brought to life? Well, we read again in our text. Through uh, the sanctification of the Spirit. They are brought to life. The foreknowledge of God, the Father, through the sanctification of the Spirit. And, of course, here as well, through the foundation of it all is the blood of Jesus Christ, sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. So here in our text, we see that it is a triune work. It is the work of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we see then that the Father elects and the Son secures your redemption and the Holy Spirit's applies the redemption purchased for you by the Lord Jesus Christ. As we said, it's a Trinitarian work, although seen most clearly, of course, in what Christ, the second person, has done for us. We speak about our salvation in Christ and through Christ, and so we should. But we mustn't forget the work of the Spirit of God we mustn't forget the electing of God the Father at the same time. So there is a trinity, the trinity at work in the salvation of each and every one of us. That very briefly then, the work of salvation, we know it is the work of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But then secondly, you consider the gospel call to man in his natural condition. The gospel called to man in his natural condition. Now we know that scripture tells us very clearly that by nature we are all dead in our trespasses 
and sins. Paul tells us that in Ephesians 2. We are all dead in our trespasses, and every single one of us. So how could any who are dead, how could any who are dead bring themselves, as it were, to life? Well, it's impossible, isn't it? How can a dead person bring himself to life? It is impossible. Now, some have the view that man can do it himself. There is that, as you know, the, the Arminian view of matters. They'll say, well, until you respond positively to the gospel, the Holy Spirit cannot and will not give you life. That is, first of all, you have to. In other words, they say it all depends on what man does in the first place. That's an Arminian view of salvation. The idea as well, of course, with the Arminian, they have the idea that election of God is on account of God seeing faith in someone, looking into the future. Someone has made the picture it's as if God is seen through a long telescope and sees far, far into the future and says, oh, there's someone who believes, therefore I'll elect him. That's basically, in a simple way, the view of the Arminian view of salvation. In other words, God is reacting to man's faith. It is man, then God reacting because of. They have the cart before the horse in that way. You see, what does that do? Well, of course, the danger of making man more powerful than God. The danger of man uh, being Lord of his own destiny and leaving God out of it. Yes, God is there, and they will say that they believe in election, but it is not the election according to what Scripture lays out before us. So we have to be careful about what we think of these things. There is the call to man in his natural condition, but while man's responsibility is there, as we'll see, there is also to be mindful in the mysterious election of God, God elects his own always. So with them, of course, then the Arminian, therefore, uh, such believe man's depravity must then, it cannot be total. We believe in the total depravity of man by nature. But they believe that it's not total, and so that man is able, if he so wishes himself, to incline his will toward God. And of course, the Arminian also believes that you can be saved, and, but you can fall from grace or be eternally lost. That's a different matter altogether. But here we see then that the, the, the importance for us to remember that it is God at work first. Man in his natural condition is dead in his trespasses and sins. And what they believe then is all that is opposite to what Scripture teaches in that Arminian way. Now, friends, let me say this as well. It is not saying, and I'm not saying, and none of us should say, because a person is an Arminian in his theology, that he is not saved. We have to be careful of that as well. His theology might be wrong, but it doesn't mean that he may not be one of God's people, even with this wrong thinking. Indeed, there are many Arminians who would teach us many good things, how to live the Christian 
life, however, be that as it may. So then if we are, by nature, if we are born in sin, we are blind and deaf to the call of the gospel. How then can you or I come to life of ourselves? Well, we cannot. It is impossible for that to be. We cannot give spiritual life to ourselves in any way whatsoever. We need the Spirit of God. We need the Spirit of God to give us life. We need the Spirit of God to breathe life into us. Remember the picture we have in the Old Testament in Ezekiel, the valley of the dead bones. You remember that? What do we read there? What was needed? We read there the picture. It is a picture there that we have. How were they, they were brought to life? Because the Spirit of God had to blow upon them. That's how they were called to life, how they were given life. It was the work of the Spirit. They were dead. And that's the same with ourselves, friends. None of us here, if we are Christians today, made ourselves Christians. We were dead in our sins. We needed a power outside of ourselves to give us life. And so it is for each and every one. But then, if this call, is, there, no, is it not true that all are called through the preaching of the word to come to Christ? It is not in the preaching of the word, and, and this again I fear can be through in some situations, it is not for the preacher to discern I'm going to preach to the elect only. It is for the preacher to preach the gospel to all. That is man's our responsibility as those who preach the gospel. You see, all are not called in the same way. The scripture speaks of a call in different ways. As we said, there's the general call and there's an effectual call. And these are not the same. There is a difference there. The general call is addressed to all, to all sinners to come without any distinction whatsoever. And yet there is a difference. The Lord Jesus Christ tells us many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called. So there's a distinction there itself made. Many are called, but few are chosen. Likewise, Remember the parable of the Lord also in Luke 14 of the Great Supper. What do we read there? They went out and they called all to the Great Supper. It went out to all. And then we read, none of these men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Some refused. But it wasn't that they weren't bidden. It wasn't that they weren't called. But you see what we see there, man's responsibility. We read in Matthew 11, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That is, in whatever way you look at that there, there is an all there. All are invited to come. And all who come, what are they promised? They are promised rest. There is man's responsibility to come, to invite, to, to accept the invitation that is given out. So then, friends, there's a difference there, is there not? These things, texts that we just quoted, speak of the general gospel, call of the gospel to each and every one. 
and friends of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, preach to everyone how we should preach to everyone, every one of us who preach in this way. The Lord Jesus Christ preached to everyone not all too often, and he called all what repent, he said, and believe the gospel. And yet in another place we are told, he says, ye believe not. It wasn't that they weren't called. It wasn't that they did not hear. It wasn't that at all through the general call of the gospel, but they deliberately willed not to accept and not to come to Christ. And so their responsibility there. But then some will say, does the Lord Jesus Christ not say, no man can come unto me except what given unto him of my Father? So then, does that not then make those who do not respond to the call innocent and you can't blame anybody then if that is the case? No man can come to me except given of my Father. Some people, well, what can I do? If I'm elect, I'm elect. I'm dead. What can I do if God doesn't give me spiritual life? But friends, whatever we understand about the mystery of election, that is not the emphasis of Scripture. It is mysterious. Jacob have I loved. Esau have I hated. But the emphasis of Scripture is on man to do. And man has the ability to do. Think of Adam in his state in the garden. He had the ability to obey, obey God's command. Otherwise, God would not have asked him to do what he could regarding the tree. But he disobeyed. He didn't obey the command of God. And so for us today, even in our fallen state, all man, whoever we are, we can, by God's grace, obey his word. But we have to ask for that grace, surely, to enable us to do so in one way or another. That surely must be with us as well. But you say, well, what if I'm not elect? Well, who are those who are not elect? Those who will not come. And that sums it up. Those who will not come. Friends, we are not to sit back and say, well, if I'm elect or whatever will be, will be. That so often can be the case with so many. And whatever we understand, friends, of the mystery of election, and it is a mystery, it never takes away from man's responsibility. What do we read? God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There you see man's responsibility. God will save any and all who will come to him. So then all are called in the general call, but man willfully of himself, if he will not plead for mercy of Christ, will remain where he is and not respond positively to the message of the gospel, to the offer of Christ in the gospel, to the gospel of saving grace. But we also have to remember Man is never forced to believe. But God, through his word and spirit, shows him his need. 
Isn't that true for yourself here today, Krishna? There was a time when you had no desire, but then the day came by the work of the Spirit that you were shown your need and you felt your need. And he shows him, shows you the Savior that has been provided for you and what he's able to do for you. And in that way, the Holy Spirit applies the truth to your mind and to your heart and convicts you of your need and urges you then, you have the urge then, do you not, to yield yourself to the Savior, to come to the Savior, to ask for mercy and forgiveness. And so, friends, until man feels and acknowledges himself a lost sinner, he will remain a lost sinner. And in that condition, and it's all of his own making, that person will be eternally lost. Not that he didn't hear, not that he wasn't invited to come, but that he refused to come to Christ, coming pleading for mercy and for forgiveness. So the man in his natural state, this is all of us as we are by nature, but there is, friends, there is a call that comes to all. And then we see thirdly, then there is this irresistible grace. Remember in Romans chapter 8, whom he called them, he also justified. There's the effectual call and his irresistible grace. The same power, friends, the great power, remember, that raised Christ from the dead raises man to spiritual life as well by the Spirit. And remember how Lazarus, he couldn't resist the call that he was dead in the grave. He couldn't resist the call, and neither can you or I when we truly hear that call for ourselves. That's why we call it irresistible. It's a resistible grace. It's an irresistible call. Do we, do we not read the Lord? The sheep hear his voice, the shepherd's voice. He calleth by them by name. It is a particular call, and he leadeth them. There is that call. Does that mean, by the way, that there's an immediate response always to us when the Spirit begins, as it were, to strive? Is it an immediate, an immediate uh, response by us? Well, Sadly, in one sense, at least, it may not be so. There can be times of the striving of the Spirit. But friends, never think, though, that that means God is struggling to get you to change your mind. He is not. We come in different ways. Some are slower to come. It's not that they haven't been called. It's not that they're not the striving of the Spirit. It's not that they are going to be seen eventually as the Lord's people but it can take some time. It's just that some come in different ways. But this is sure, friends, all who are called irresistibly will come. Every single one of them will come. You see, the Arminian again says that man can successfully resist the overture of grace forever. But you see, friends, what would that make God? That would make God dependent on man. And surely that, whatever else we understand, that cannot be. However much we struggle to understand 
election. And it is a mystery. And however much we understand, we still have to understand the call. It cannot be that God is dependent on man in any area of this. Remember what we read in Ezekiel. It says there, a new heart also will I give you. It doesn't say a new heart also will I give you if you have no objections to it. It's not that at all. It is what he is going to do. This is his desire for his own people. And the Holy Spirit never fails, friends, to bring to Christ those whom he calls. And if you are here today a Christian, it is because of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And it is that he has called you irresistibly. And he has done so by his own grace because of his own mysterious election. And he never fails in this. The Holy Spirit never fails in this calling a person effectually. Those for whom Christ has died. Those who are elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. So if you're then today here, and you're thinking, am I one of the Lord's people? What are some of the marks that the Holy Spirit has worked irresistibly in your life? Well, is there not now a desire to turn away from sin? What you once held so precious and how you lived. And now you see, oh, the foolishness of that life. That doesn't come naturally to any of us. Is there not also a desire now to follow the teaching of Scripture? That the Word of God now, what maybe you use something of it before, but now you see it and you read it in a different way. Is it not true now that for you, you really desire to be obedient to the word of God above everything else. In other words, your longing is to be Christ-like. More Christ-like and more Christ-like and more Christ-like. So what has changed? Well, your will has changed. The person who has been called irresistibly, his will has changed. And because your will has changed, everything about you changes. Your life changes. Your lifestyle changes. So what is true of you now? You're one of the Lord's people. It is true of you. You're born again. Born again of what? Of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. That is those who have this inward call of the Spirit. So do you see, friends, the difference between the outward general call to all and the inward call specifically of the Spirit of God. And friends, if we don't accept that teaching, however much we may never fully understand it, we are making God dependent on man's whim. That's the alternative. And so we're robbing God, robbing God of his power and glory. There is irresistible call, the irresistible grace of God. And finally, the means then used particularly by the Holy Spirit. Well, first of all, it is the Word, is it not? 
It is the word, the word of God. We read at the end of the chapter in verse 23 here, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Now, some see there a possibility there and um, of it being speaking about Christ himself there as well, the word of God. But I think it's more to do with the, the general word, as it were, all the word of God, being born again by the word of God. The author of the new birth is the Holy Spirit. But more often than not, the means, it is in the, the word in the hand of the Holy Spirit, that is the means that is used. The Holy Spirit regenerates. The word is the instrument that is used in the hand of the Spirit. Yes, I know at times you might be here today like this, and in the mysterious providence of God, that some mysterious providence may stop you in your tracks and make you start to think about a new life. Maybe it was something that happened in your life. Maybe something that happened in somebody else's life, rather than directly through the word of God, as it were, without the word that brought you to consider your ways. That may well be at times, but ultimately, friends, it will be through the word in the hand of the Spirit that what your, your need will be revealed to you, and you see your need, and who is able to meet that need, the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever providence God uses, mysterious, the mystery of providence we know it may be, but ultimately it has to be through the word of God, the means used by the Spirit. Now, the natural man, while we are there, we're dead in sin. And the natural man still dead in sin. We read Paul right at the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 2, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Why? Because they are foolishness unto him. And isn't that true when you look back in your own life at one time? It wasn't that you didn't hear, that you didn't know. But really, in one sense, so you say, well, I don't know, it was foolish. Well, in one, it must be because you didn't believe it. And who here now born of the Spirit of God doesn't remember times when while you heard the word, while you knew to some degree what the Bible said and taught and your need, but it was of no great consequence to you. Ah, but that's not how it is now, is it? Now you know what it is to have the word in the hand of the Spirit applied to your life. You may not have said it before that these things were foolishness to you. But my dear friend, how you and I lived speaks clearly of what we're really thinking of Christ and his salvation at that time. So then, if you are today born again, if you have responded to the call, the irresistible, effectual call of the Lord, it is only by the Holy Spirit's work in your life, convicting you of your sinnership and seeing then the Lord Jesus Christ as the only hope that you have, 
seeing him for who he is and what he has done for you. How have you seen it? It is all revealed by the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. The importance of the word, friend, also, of course, in the hand of the Spirit. The means used by the Spirit, the word of God, ultimately, to bring you to see your need and to realize that now what you heard before, what you knew at one time, now is applied in a different way altogether in your life's experience. Well, friends, what when the Lord asked you to ask us, when the Lord asked you through and in his word the question, is now whom say ye that I am? Well, there was one time, well, I know about this and I know about Christ and the Son of God, and I know the Bible says and all the people in the Bible even, you know all these things, and the children can know these things from young age, but there's a day comes and whom say ye that I am? You see the change now. Because you now can say, ah, yes, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And you might have known that intellectually before, but it's not an intellectual, just an intellectual knowledge now. It is here. It is here and it is here. And it changes everything about you. And so you are able now to say with Thomas, when you see him, oh, my Lord and my God. How can you say that? Did that come from the natural man? Does it come from the natural man? Absolutely not. Never can. It is the work of the Spirit of God. And it transforms everything about you. And what is you now your chief desire? Is it not now to be holy, to be Christ-like, as we said earlier, to be less like the world? Is it not now you find that the Bible you read in a different way? And the scripture now is more precious to you than anything else. For here you have life. And your mind is opened. And your heart is opened. I know you read the scripture. And what happens when you read the scripture to those who have been effectually called? It is that the word is speaking to you. And it applies to your situations. And you realize this is none other than God himself. And how could you have that transformation and understanding changed? Only by the Spirit because you are now indwelt with the Spirit of God. So, my dear friend, today do you have these marks in your own life? Well, if you have, it is the leading of the Spirit. Having been born again of the Spirit of God, you have been drawn irresistibly, irresistible grace, friends. That's what it is. That's what changes. There is the outward call, there is the inward call of the Spirit of God. So when you read this text, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, and to obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, you can say, despite all that you are and all that you are not, yes, that applies to me. And it is not of myself. It is all of grace. Can you say that then this morning?
that will identify your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Am I his or am I not? Amen. O Lord our God, we thank thee for that holy work of the Holy Spirit. We thank thee, Lord, that thou hast revealed to thy people that it is all of grace. It is not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast, and how we would boast. But we thank thee for thy word and the encouragement in it, and we can find ourselves in that word by thy spirit. We pray, Lord, for any here today who have still not come to acknowledge this for themselves. Lord, that they would seek thee, that they would not sit back and wait for some mysterious work to happen, but that they realize man's responsibility in seeking the Lord until he is found. Hear us for Jesus' sake. Amen.